You're listening to Metal and High Heels, the official podcast from the magazine about metal, lifestyle, and entertainment. Hello everyone, you're listening to the Metal and High Heels podcast. My name is Steffi and I'm here with Kiki. Hello there. And we also have a very special guest uh, today. Malik, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm happy to be here. Hi, you two. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself for a bit? Um, yeah, sure. I think uh, heavy metal-wise, uh, I'm a band member of Stutter Revolution. I play the guitar and do some vocals. Uh, I'm in the metal scene for, I don't know, like 25 years, maybe-ish. Wow. Um, and um, yeah, I guess interesting for the listeners would be how Kiki and I met at some backstage site on at Wacken Festival, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, should we tell that story? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Please, please tell us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the f- Even I don't know the real story, so or the whole story, so please tell us. Yeah, okay. The funny part is, um, okay, I was there with my friend Marina, who is singing in uh, Exit Eden, and um, Kiki had written a review of the Exit Eden album somewhere online, and... I got to read it and I was very intrigued by it. I found it very funny and very true. <laughs> and it was Thank very you. critical about this CD and uh, being a cover album and all. And uh, But I said, yeah, but it's like somebody really got into it, thought about it and, you know, really, ah, what can I say? It's like you get out what's really how I saw the album as well. And mm-hmm. it uh, that's a rare voice, I think. In w- when you see um, big albums or like big companies putting out albums, and this was the case with Exit Eden, and then you have reviews from the typical press. These are mostly similar voices, people just liking it or not liking it, but not trying to look behind the scenes, mm-hmm. like what led to the album being like it is, um, what. Uh, what do you personally really think about the, the people involved, etc., etc.? And it was like that, and um, very vocal about everything that was going on. And I also found, like, because I knew some stuff from behind the scenes, I was like, she really got the point. <laughs> it's like, I don't know this person, but this is funny. And I had to laugh. And some people were even angry about it because it's like, it was critical. Yeah. And I said, yeah, okay, I understand it, all of us in a band, you know, are connected to bands or working with bands. You want to see your work um, appreciated, right? Mm-hmm. So it's always hard work. But still, sometimes you can put the finger, you know, down and say, okay, but this is a certain way. And it was like that. So I was, uh, I just had that in mind. So this is why I remembered your name or maybe uh, your face. There was a photo, I guess, somewhere. I don't mm-hmm. know. And then I was, uh, well, it was that bus, what was it, Fender bus? You know, yeah. some, some, some bus where you could do interviews inside um, on yeah, yeah, the Wacken yeah. site backstage. And um, I was just there with the guys, you know, holding a camera and making myself useful. And then I saw you come up and I'm like, aren't you that journalist who wrote that story? <laughs> about? And I'm like, I, I really dig it. It's, it's just to the point. And uh, I don't know, that's how we came to talk. Yeah. And uh, it's, it is a really funny story. <laughs> and as always, um, also for everybody out there who's listening, uh, you can find the show notes where I will link the review and the interview with Exit Eden. Ah, cool. 
at uh, metal-in-highheels.com slash podcast 42. Um, yeah, cool. Yeah, it was it was a fun experience also because uh, just as you were saying, I had really, really thought about it because I love all of these women. We follow their careers and their bands and suddenly this project, well, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. You can read all about that. But anyway, I also <laughs> really wanted to to uh, get the opportunity to talk to them about it and um, about how they chose the songs for the covers or whatever. And to have that opportunity was was amazing um, at Wacken even. And uh, it also gave um, them, the Exit Eden members, a chance to talk back, so to speak, <laughs> mm -hmm. which they did. So it was really interesting. I think it was a good conversation because I don't remember it like, you know, sentence by sentence, but I remember that I found there were really both views of the whole thing on the table. Yeah. And um, I found it quite fair. It's like everybody comes and, you know, can say their part. And uh, it's in general, it's a discussion that I, even as a band member, I find myself in very often. It's the view of the fan compared to the view of the musician or the industry person, which might yeah. be three different views, by the way. Mm -hmm. But um, as a band member, you're much more involved in making things work and fighting against those endless stream of uh, people not seeing you. You know, there's a billion bands out there and some doorkeepers who can get you any further and you're fighting to stay... Um, authentic on the on one hand and do your thing but on the other hand you have to wade through this big lake of industry bullshit to get any further to get written about to get seen yeah and that sometimes is quite impossible to to do both at the same time you know and so it's um sometimes a fan would say whoa that's such a sellout and they say this about something that you worked five years to even get it done. Mm -hmm. And it's like you have no, as a, as a band member, you know, you're like you have no idea what you're talking about. You sure. just have no idea what that means. And uh, so this is a success for me, but it doesn't sit right with you. Okay, all you can do is either explain it to someone, but you can't explain it to everyone, or shrug about it, or just, you know, some people get angry. It depends. But there is a divide between how a band Uh, sees the whole industry thing and how a fan sees the whole industry thing and it's changing if you're a professional musician you have m like many more dependencies you really have to pay your rent as a fan it's super easy to be uh, an armchair critic because mm -hmm. you're sitting at home you like the album you hear the next one you say ah it's a shit but yeah. that's super easy but you didn't put two years of work and maybe feeding your kids on the line yeah and for a lot of people it's also not only work but money right Paying yeah. upfront for, I don't know, tours and um, if you're a DIY band or an indie band uh, for all of the merch and all of the production, it's your own money that goes into yes. uh, being able to do your work and your art. And um, then, of course, I, I can totally get also that that it can it can be hurtful <laughs> when it doesn't it isn't uh, the product isn't as well received as you hoped. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, but um, that's how we met. <laughs> and and uh, but tell us a little bit more about uh, your band, Star Revolution, before we go to our serious topic of the day. 
<laughs> uh, Stutter Revolution is a, I would say, post-hardcore band. Let's say if you like Boy Sets Fire or bands of that kind, uh, you will like what we do, I guess. It has some metal roots. Uh, I'm, I'm the metal guy in the band, certainly. Mm -hmm. There are some who are more from the uh, post-hardcore scene. And um, yeah, so... I think the best thing to talk about the band or to know what we do, what we're doing is, uh, I guess in the show notes, you will find some videos and, um, what we're doing now. I mean, okay. There's one interesting story. Patrick, the former singer of the band, he founded the band mm -hmm. and wrote most of the music. And, uh, this was in 2005, I think. Um, but that was, I wasn't in the band for a long time. And then they were working hard and put out an album in 2008 It's called The Day We've Been Waiting For, and the title says it all. That was a struggle. <laughs> and funny enough, uh, I'm friends with Patrick and some of the guys for a long time. I even went to the first show, but I had my own bands, Kill Tribe and other bands. And um, But I went to the first show. It wasn't even my, really my type of music, a bit more in the emo uh, department. And I'm I'm coming more from the Metallica, thrash metal, Sepultura you know, the tech death style of music. Mm -hmm. And, um, but I was friends with them and I found the songwriting really good. And so uh, I watched the first show and they uh, had a run for a while. And then Patrick had to change stuff in his life and started, um, I don't know, change jobs or whatever. And so the band went on a hiatus for four years. So they didn't do anything. And I had my bands and uh, also that came to an end for other reasons. Okay, and then Patrick and I were sitting where I'm sitting right now, actually, in front of my desk. And he was like, you know what? I didn't have a band for four years, but now I just got a booking offer from somebody who booked us four years ago. And what? they wanted to book us again. And they were asking, he's like, Can, are you still playing? What's going on? And that was, you know, my space times. So it wasn't really Facebook, Instagram, Internet, how it is today. Mm -hmm. So um, you couldn't follow every step of everyone. And so they were just writing him an email and he was like, hmm, I'm, in a point, uh, I'm at a point in my life where I could actually get the boys back together. <laughs> in our case, all boys. So it's like, okay, but one guy already moved to Brazil, some other guy, I don't know, he stopped making music. So it was not that easy. And I was like, you know what, I'm not with a band right now and I like you, <laughs> so maybe I can just play the guitar and be a guitar slave and not care about anything because I've always been the guy in the band, you know, pushing the band forward, which is also quite exhausting. And um, he and I, we were laughing about it because we were coming from such different musical backgrounds. Mm -hmm. But um, my former band, Kill Tribe, we did uh, tours in uh, Ireland and Patrick helped us out on the guitar for one of those tours and it was such a fun experience so both of us we knew we would work together in a band well like personally socially mm -hmm. and um so we were like wow ireland was so much fun let's do a band together and i'm like okay let me see if i can play the songs and uh, i got into it and we met in a rehearsal uh, in a rehearsal room and it was fun so patrick got some new boys together and jens our bassist he's uh, the only one left from the early ages okay um and then something weird happened <laughs> gangnam style 
Okay, uh-huh. it's like it's <laughs> it's like that. Um, we we have been rehearsing for that one show that we were booked to. Let's say I don't know three, four, five times. Really, it was really early. Just having fun in the rehearsal room, and getting the songs together again. And then I met my friend Johnny, who is in Johnny Death Shadow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a gothic metal band. Um, they are also hardworking band, and but he's a friend of mine for ten years or more. And I went to Hamburg, and where he's where he lives and uh, we were I brought Gangnam Style which was really unknown at the time um, I brought this with to Hamburg and we were listening to it all day long <laughs> and it was because we were such fans it was such a craziness I mean maybe you remember 2012 and um, after a while we were like ah oh, we cannot sing along it's so annoying <laughs> and then Johnny said okay come on let's just spell it out we're just writing down how it sounds and so we can sing along didn't you find it on google or something on the internet yeah but then you find it in korean and you can't read korean okay so it doesn't help you so no it was really early stages it wasn't in the charts Mm -hmm. so uh, because we found it there's a computer game it's called starcraft that's very famous in south korea and we are we were playing it also as well at the time Mm -hmm. and so there were um like transmissions of starcraft games from south korea that we were watching on the internet Mm -hmm. at the time and between those games was gangnam style was the video uh, (laughs) has been played so it was only through that we even came to know the video it wasn't anywhere here yet so okay um so we were crazy about it but nobody else knew what we were talking about so we really wrote down everything as we heard it Mm -hmm. and after two days of doing that we could sing along (laughs) So in our fake Korean, so and we were like, like super crazy, jumping through the room and like Najin and Ta Saron Ingang Jogin Yoja. So and it was like super funny. And then okay, after two days, I went back home to Aachen and I had Patrick on the phone, the you know the band leader of Stellar Revolution. I'm like Patrick, Patrick. He was also super crazy about the song. I'm like, okay, you got two minutes, and he said, yeah, sure. And I put the phone aside played the song on my computer and were just rapping along. <laughs> and he was laughing his ass off. He's like, how can you speak Korean right now? What happened? And I told him the story. And he was like, oh my God, oh my God, we need to do something with this. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, what do we need to do? He's like, cover the song? Like, Ridiculous, because this has nothing to do with what we normally do, mm-hmm. what we normally do as a band. And he's like, yeah, 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 I've got an idea. I've got an idea. Let's go to, to the studio for one or two days and we had a studio that we could enter and we went there and it was just him and me for two days in that studio and then we did a cover version and even the band um yeah later uh, yeah later exactly because um, we were in that studio and we liked what we did so it was like okay even our band didn't know and I was like, okay, but somebody has to produce that. Oh, I know a friend of mine, Berai. He is a drummer and a producer. And he's, you know, he's just following everything that's funny. So um, <laughs> he's in a, a very good band, Kochkraft uh, durch KMA. They are touring with Mia, I think, recently. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, it's also a crazy band. Um, but I knew, we just sent him the files and we said, okay, hey, Berai, Please, record some drum. Do you know Gangnam Style? He was like, no idea. What are you talking about? Okay, it doesn't matter. (laughs) This is the original video. This is our version. We just need you to lay down the drums, record everything, send it back to us. Two days later, we had the drums. Everything (laughs) was produced. 
And yeah, and then of course uh, I was uh, talking to Johnny. I'm like, Johnny, do you have any sort of microphone in Hamburg where you can record the second verse? Because we want you in the song because it was us starting the song. Mm -hmm. uh, us starting the song, right? And uh, he said, yeah, yeah, sure, I'm going to record somewhere. If you listen closely, you can hear that his vocal recordings don't sound as pristine as ours mm -hmm. because he had a shitty microphone and he had to make it work somehow. Yeah. But it was good enough. So he, he sent the stuff back and then we had a song. And that's where for the band, the craziness started because we didn't expect to do anything with the song except just put it on Facebook and have 200 people download it or something. Mm -hmm. But... Then we had the song finished and everybody was like, wow, that's awesome. And then Gangnam Style also was in the charts here. Yeah. And people who hated Gangnam Style said, okay, I hate Gangnam Style, but your version is actually good. I like it. And we're like, okay, shit, we have to do something with this. But what? Um, I'm also into video production. So I was like, okay, we need a video. And basically we made the heavy metal dark version or the rock version, if you want, of Gangnam Style. But it was an homage. It wasn't, you know, mocking it mm -hmm. because we were really fans. And um, so I was on the phone for a week calling companies like video companies uh, to help us out. And I found someone in Hamburg, actually, somebody um, who I knew through Johnny. And they said, well, this is amazing. We need to do something, but we cannot come to Aachen. This is just, we don't have the car. We just have the camera equipment and you need good locations to film. But we have ideas for locations. Can you come to Hamburg? Mm -hmm. But we need dancers and we need this and that. And we have an, a BDSM studio <laughs> that we can use, you know, at uh, here, Keats, uh, the, the oldest SM studio in Germany, actually, wow. from uh, Negerkalle. He's a very famous guy, I don't know, in Hamburg. And um, and then they, they really found awesome locations. And basically, we packed everything. We went up there. We tried to learn the dance, <laughs> like, on the fly. That's not as easy as it looks. Mm -hmm. And um, after, I don't know what happened. It's just there were 30 people on the set. They found people who were doing the, you know, the makeup for free. And we had dancers coming from everywhere, even someone from Australia. I mean, she wasn't coming from Australia, but she was originally from Australia. Okay. And we just put up papers, you know, at the university. Who wants to help us out for a video shoot? And it was so much fun. And then, I don't know, once we had the video done, it was also good. We were happy with it. And so we put it out there. And then it got, I don't know, several hundred thousand plays on YouTube. And that was, again, it was 2012, so early stages. Yeah. Uh, remember, Gangnam Style itself was the biggest video on Uh, YouTube, yeah. yeah, at the time, mm -hmm. uh, because of course not everybody had a smartphone, etc., etc. So it was different times. But um, then also, um, okay, I'm going on my rant here. But um, <laughs> this, um, uh, sorry for rambling. But uh, to close the story, um, this also put us in connection with the music industry because originally it was five guys who just wanted to play that one show. And then Gangnam Style happened and all of a sudden you sit in some office in, in Hamburg discussing uh, how you can get the rights to the song from Sony ATP and how you can get it on iTunes store, which was also quite new. Mm -hmm. This was, I don't know, a year old, um, et cetera, et cetera. And um, then, yeah, industry people got interested and not interested again and others stayed interested. And so it got the band going on a kickstart. Cool. 
That's a great story. And the video is also very cool too. I'm going to make sure to <laughs> link it in the show notes as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that everybody can watch it. Yes. So today we want to talk a bit about politics. Awesome. No. <laughs> no, I like politics. <laughs> Me too. It's a cool topic. And it was actually inspired or this whole topic for me in combination with the with metal and the music industry uh, was inspired at Tuska festival last year. Pia and I went to Helsinki to the festival and um, I noticed that some bands were talking politics on stage. Um, the first night of the festival, um, Body Count, Ice-T's metal band, was on stage mm -hmm. and their lyrics are very political. So every time uh, Ice-T was introducing the next song, he would say something powerful. And then the next day there were um, panels as well, discussion panels. Uh, one of them was called uh, Critical Headbanging. And um, it was exactly about metal being a very socially critical um, genre and and talking to uh, the singer of, or the singer and the guitarist of Leprous, for example, um, who had something uh, to say. Um, he said, uh, you don't have to, but you can be political as an artist. And some of my favorite artists are very political, which is, in my opinion, a little bit of a kind of an excuse that I have been hearing a lot because, well, to go back to, to the inspiration story, um, the next day Atuska also Stick to Your Guns played and they had a lot to say about uh, the Trump administration since they come from the US. And it all went on. And since then, I've been asking in my interviews with bands for Metal and High Heels, I've been asking the bands um, what their political views what influence their political views have on their music and if it's important to them to make a political statement for their audience to to hear. And a lot of them uh, have been saying to me that um, no. And I have to be honest, I find that very cowardly. And I think... Some of them have been saying this kind of stuff like, yeah, but you know, it's about the music and the music doesn't have to, uh, doesn't always deal with this, with these uh, topics. And uh, that's obviously fine. But if you, if, I don't know, Malik, what's your experience? If I uh, am interviewing you for your band and I suddenly ask you a political question, how would you react? I mean, we have been very vocal about our political views. So... I'm not sure if I'm, you know, I can't speak for everyone. I'm torn. I think you can do art and not care about politics. It's like if you want to do um, a happiness song just about being happy, that's all fine. Sure. You don't need to, you know, address racism right away. On the other hand, um, I mean, we've put out an album. It's called Survivors. The first, the opening song is called Hellcome, and it's about the refugee crisis mm -hmm. and the reasons that led to it and we especially me but all of us we put a lot of work into the video also considering how are we going to treat this topic right mm -hmm. 
what you do in metal traditionally, you're talking about war stuff and, you know, refugees. And the typical Slayer video thing would be show Second World War bombing, you know, footage from um, that you can buy and make it as brutal as possible. Mm -hmm. And so now we're talking about war and even um, my family somehow, because I have an um, Iraqi father, so my... Mm -hmm. My uh, part of my family is from Iraq, and they are also refugees, even though it was mostly 13 to 15 years ago. So it's not about this actual, let's call it a crisis or a topic in Germany. Mm -hmm. But still, um, through the video, even I got more involved into that. But um, so we were thinking about how could we do the video? How can we speak about politics? It's still an advertisement for the song, right? So it's your your record label wants to sell your album. Um, but they were super helpful in this. Um, they didn't, you know, make us do anything. We didn't like quite the opposite. They were supportive. Mm -hmm. So uh, thumbs up to Rockane for that. Um, so what we were thinking is, okay, we want to show the grittiness of the situation, but we don't want to show just war, ISIS, beheading stuff. So what can we do? And uh, we came out with a concept that basically it's a performance video of the band, but you never really see us. You only see silhouettes of us. So we are obviously playing. You can see the wildness of, you know, heavy metal going on and headbanging and stuff. But the only people that you really see are actual refugees. And it was like three months of research until we, uh, I went to refugee sites, uh, I mean, not sites, but um, there's um, here in Aachen, I'm, I'm from Aachen, West Germany. So um, there are some uh, houses, um, some, um, how can I say? I don't even know the German word. It's like you have a little project where you, um, Uh, embrace the new refugees and say come together you can speak to each other you know you can meet locals um, so people are doing a lot for the refugees I went mm -hmm. to those projects and I talked to them who of you wants to be in a music video it's about this and that and there were two three people who were willing to come mm -hmm. and what we wanted to do is also be diverse about it because it's not only Syria which was very prevalent at the time you know we're talking 2015 now yeah. um Not only Syria, and I didn't also only want to have young men, you know, it would be the best to have old people, young people, men, women, even from Africa, you have, you know, colored people, etc. Mm -hmm. And um, so we managed to find enough people. And of course, then through learning to know them, you also learn about their stories. And we even made friends with some of them. And this is really, really hard if you can if you know how somebody really traveled on foot 3,000 kilometers and was threatened with his life, he saw people die left and right, you know, somebody get their throat slit just because they were too slow to travel uh, to, to uh, get across the Iranian borders. So um, there, there are many stories like this. And of course, the video is not a documentary. It's just a music video. Mm -hmm. But what we did is we showed the band in silhouettes and we showed eye to eye um, very nice photography. We showed the refugee, the person, because that's what we wanted. It's like, okay, we're talking about refugees. No, not many people are talking with the refugees, mm -hmm. but we wanted to show them eye to eye. They are just average 23-year-old people, just like, not me, I'm too old, but, you know, just like you and me. Mm -hmm. And they also had their hopes and dreams and they were, I don't know, studying medicine or something. And then they had to go. 
because somebody bombed the marketplace or something. Yeah. And um, so we put this also briefly in the video. So everybody who wants to know just a little bit more of every person's story, they can press pause. Um, so I've, you know, there's typography on the screen. You mm -hmm. can read a little bit about it, but it was a balance between what's art, what's the music video, what's the song, because you should also listen to the song, what we're saying. Yeah. We were vocal about why we think this issue even uh, came up. Why is this even an, an issue? It's not just, okay, somebody had to go and the situation is bad and there are bombs. But uh, the video ends with a sample. Also on the album, we have a sample in the end. It's like um, um, a BBC news anchor saying, um, and um, Angela Merkel's government has approved weapon um ah oh, no i can always say it no i can't <laughs> has approved basically a lot of money for export in germany to also those areas where refugees are coming from for weapons and, export um, yeah okay. exactly and this is basically the criticism that's what the song is about yeah. so you see the people who are affected by it you see kind of us being vocal about it and then in the end we leave the listener with just that sample of that news show mm -hmm. so it's like if you're asking me about how political can you be or do you want to be or do you have to be i would say it's a good platform to be political because people are listening to you and you have some influence in our case it's a small influence we're a small band but still we get reactions to this yeah. and you have a You, put, you have the, the chance to put out a statement. Somebody has to step up and say, okay, this is not right. Exactly. And artists have a platform to do that. Yeah, I think that's also already um, a root of, of rock music and also metal music to be um, critical. And yeah. And protest? Exactly, yes. To say things nobody else want to say or just maybe do not want to hear and that's also why i i wonder so many bands nowadays don't want to be political anymore i think it's um somehow a spirit of that revolution rock and roll got lost somewhere that's a little bit crazy i think and i wonder just why why and when that happened yes i think I remember even 20 years ago um, that I heard from people from the hardcore scene uh, who said, okay, basically their accusation against the metal scene was, okay, you are not political. You're just singing about dragons and, you know, fantasy worlds, <laughs> which was also at the time. I mean, this is a part of heavy metal. Yeah. It's like singing about Alexander the Great or something, which is fine in my eyes, but the hardcore scene was much more political than the metal scene. But yeah, true. The metal scene also had a yeah critical social background yeah yes. i think it really depends on the band and genre and yeah. it depends on the subgenre we all know that the whole metal genre is very very big and has lots of subgenres and so yeah we cannot say for all the bands and musicians maybe maybe that's it i don't know if it got lost but maybe it just got more diverse and bigger And not all of those people um, feel the same. I mean, Avantasia is not about politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. 
I do not know any power metal band who is about political. So. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, but... but you could also say maybe are there less white metal bands than there were in the in the eighties? Maybe I don't know. Is metal less religious? I have no idea. Oh, less satanic? Maybe also. Maybe it just got more mainstream. Everybody, it's not shocking anymore. I think that's also one part of it. It's normal. You know, once Wacken is in the cinemas, it's like shock is over. It's just normal. That's true. You can't shock by even more brutal songs. You can't, you know, the voices can't go any deeper, any higher. The guitars can't be any faster. It's all done. So maybe it matured in a way. I don't know. I'm not defending it. I'm just saying maybe that's a reason why it got mainstream a bit more. It got settled. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean there couldn't be a next um, Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the hardcore um, essence, so to speak, comes a little bit more also from the punk scene. Sure. So it makes a lot of sense that uh, they are way more literal even, because that's the thing. Um, there are a lot of... Uh, especially power metal bands or maybe even the symphonic metal kind um, whose topics uh, or whose lyrics deal with uh, topics like, I don't know, Lord of the Rings and fantasy and dragons and Game of Thrones and whatever. But if you think about it, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones are also very political. Are they? Aren't they? Mm, I would say they are moral. Yeah. Yeah, that's the better word. Of course, but they also they also put uh, all of the um, geopolitical history into that literature. Mm, Game of Thrones maybe, but a uh, lot of the Rings is more. Tolkien was had more a religious opinion about that work, but a moral or political okay. whatever. That's, um, I'm just rolling with it. I haven't <laughs> really studied any of those works. <laughs> but I have seen a lot of, I don't know, uh, videos on YouTube, for example, where people draw the parallels to uh, Game of Thrones, especially, for example, how um, uh, the important figures or the protagonists um, are inspired a lot in historical important figures. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've uh, listened to the audiobooks, so basically read the books, and I've watched the the show. Um, I would. This is why I would say it's extremely moral, even though it doesn't. Um, okay, the book. Uh, maybe people who only know the TV show they um, don't know the magic of the books in the sense that the books are always written from an ego perspective, uh, like they don't have an external um, narrator mm -hmm. or camera, like in the show, and. So what you always read is what someone is thinking or doing by themselves. So you don't have... Okay, let's say you jump to a chapter where you are, let's say, the bad guy. They are not classified as bad necessarily because you see it with their eyes. Whatever they are doing has some justification mm -hmm. in their own world, which I find makes the book so compelling. But, of course, obviously, if you're torturing people, that's never a good thing. And you will also always hear about um, what uh, about the suffering. Mm -hmm. And so even though the bad person might think they are very righteous to do so, still you will see there's a lot of suffering coming from it. 
So in a way, it's very moral. It's not like an action movie where houses explode, but nobody's mourning the dead. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, but political, I, I would say political would be if there were some references to nowadays politics, and I wouldn't see that in there. Yeah. Do, do you know Bob Lefsetz? Nope. Mm -hmm. uh, Bob, maybe it uh, makes sense to um, put a link in the show notes. Um, Bob is a music industry writer. He has a newsletter mm -hmm. uh, from, I think he's from California. But he's not just, he doesn't have some newsletter. I think for 20-something years, he has the biggest newsletter there is. It was in, on paper in the early days, and now it's, of course, email. But everybody in the music industry and their brother are on that newsletter. And I mean, like, he's writing about, uh, he's going to a show and watching uh, Nicki Minaj, uh, Minaj. How is she even spelled? I don't know. Uh, or let's say um, one of the big pop stars. And he would write about what he saw there, how he thinks, what's going on in pop nowadays or in rock. And those people themselves would answer. And the next day he um, puts out the reactions to his last newsletter sometimes. Wow. And it's always the industry boss of Virgin Music or it's the, <clears throat> you know, the, the main booker of Metallica or some, it's always those people. So it's a very interesting forum for voices from the music industry because he's, he also has panel discussions and he's, he has a podcast now. So he's quite big. Mm -hmm. And um, what he always says, because he's older, he's 65-ish, I think, and uh, he's very enthused about music still. And he's a kid of the, you know, um, John Lennon era. Mm -hmm. And um, he said many times on his newsletter, that I subscribe to, obviously, mm -hmm. um, that Music in the 70s was all about politics. Politics was following what artists were basically pushing. Wow. And now it's, like you said, it's the absolute opposite. It's like hip-hop even is total mainstream, absolutely. It's the biggest on Spotify. Yeah. They were jumped that, you know, on that first, so they own it. And it's only about, I don't know, boobs and cars or I don't know, whatever. It's not pushing the envelope in a political mm -hmm. sense, especially now that a left-wing musical scene, or maybe mostly, I guess, liberal musical scene, would absolutely have to say something about Donald Trump yeah. and this administration and what's going on yeah. right now. So even, especially in these times, I mean, Eminem did one rant thing, remember? It was like a 10-minute thing, him in a garage saying something about Trump and That was basically it. I mean, yeah, yeah. There, there are also other uh, examples, but I agree that it is like few and um, far apart. There were, there was also uh, talking about uh, hip hop. Now that you mention it, the whole mm -hmm. um, childish Gambino thing. This is America. Exactly. Yeah. Good example. Um, yeah, yeah, with the video, it was that was very impactful. I think that was really. That had a little bit of a of a ripple effect, um, mm -hmm. and in metal, it is actually um, kind of disappointing to see that not not many people have the 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 courage or take the time to to do a statement. Uh, last year, I reviewed um, Cold Forty Five by Ope, uh, Otep. That's the way. Mm. Otep. Yeah, and she was uh, very very. Uh, 
she has a very clear statement and all the whole of that of that album is should be really uh, listened to while reading the lyrics because those are very very powerful and um yeah there are always a few a few good examples here and there uh yesterday or the day before that yes on thursday because we are recording this on saturday february 23rd and on thursday i had an interview with uh, maya shining from um forever still a danish uh newcomer band they're not very newcomer <laughs> anymore this is their second album that they were putting putting out with a uh, nuclear nuclear blah, nuclear blast but um they are very young and it was super refreshing to me that when i asked her the politics question that she did say that she won't um she won't skip that question. She likes to talk about it. Uh, they haven't really thought about that as a band, what kind of statement they have to be, they want to be as a band or they want to make. But their new album is very um, critical of the of the current events and times, even drawing a, a parallel to uh, Blade Runner, which is set in uh, 2019. And... Uh, and seeing how some of it is sadly coming true and uh, making a statement about it in their lyrics. And so when asked about politics, she was really, um, yeah, really vocal about it and had a statement. And I'm uh, looking forward to putting that interview out on our YouTube channel. But uh, yeah, maybe it is some kind of a generational thing that... Um, yeah, millennials do want to speak about it again. <laughs> I think we're really far from the likes of Bob Dylan. Or, you know, I remember that scene when Bob Dylan and the Beatles were basically leading the politi uh, political discussion yeah. or part of it and um, living in a commune and stuff like this, you know, going to India, that was much more than just an image. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but yeah, maybe now with the, what, what's her name? Um, the 16 year old Swedish girl, um, who's speaking. Greta. Greta? Yeah. She's Finnish, isn't she? That's Swedish. Mm, Greta Thunberg, yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, listening to what she was uh, saying and I was interested because I have a, a different podcast, uh, about autism with an autist and, um, uh, autistische Wahrnehmungen for the ones mm. interested, but it's German. Um, and so I have been um, yeah, connected with autism in a certain way. And it was very interesting for me to see her speak up in a very clear, concise way about basically really speaking the truth, speaking truth to power even. And uh, everything she said, everybody would agree with everything she says. It's like, yeah, yeah. we all know it, but it needs someone young um, because it affects them more uh, to actually say it. And this is why also it has that impact in the media. Um, especially, uh, I, I'm also thinking about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Are mm -hmm. you familiar with her? Yeah. Um, yeah, she's uh, the US-American uh, activist and Democratic Party politician who now is making waves uh, in the US. Also, I think, um, yeah, she's on a similar tune, I would say. It's um, saying very basic things very loudly. 
And uh, these are also, she's also younger, I don't know, she's 29. So something is cooking there, something's coming up. It's not just, but it's like Bob Lefset says, it's not coming from the arts. And that's sad because we could be louder. Yeah, definitely. I'm also thinking about another um, good example from a recently, recently released uh, record and more in our <laughs> scene yeah. within Temptation, their album Resist. Okay. It's also very, um, very cool. They also have these uh, videos, kind of a dystopian, futuristic, uh, uh, artificial intelligence, killing humans kind of thing but the lyrics are really are really cool when i listened to raise your banner the other day and uh, watching the lyric video i got the feeling that it was also a little bit uh inspired maybe by the me too movement either even um so that was really inspiring i, I really like that kind of uh yeah their music their new record is good i was surprised by that and um Yeah, those kind of, of, of lyrics. Because that's that's the thing and that's uh, what I wanted to, to also go to. Um, it's not like we can escape politics. It's It seeps through our lives and through most, if not everything, we do. So to say um, that your art is completely separate from what happens around you and in the world... I think that's, it, it might be very, um, it might cost a lot of effort to do something like that, that can exist in a, in a, in a, yeah, in a space separate from, from your own influence of who you are uh, in everyday life. I can imagine that lots of musicians just saying, okay, I do that music stuff just for entertaining because the people have just enough information around them through social media and you yeah, just go just open your browser and you see some news and so you have always information political information and maybe that's also exactly. a point that the musicians want to say hey come on we just want to do something maybe not relaxing but just entertaining so the people can maybe also escape from that exhausting reality Maybe that's also point and a reason for their doing I that. mean, there are whole musical genres just doing that, like Mallorca Schlager. Oh, gosh. You know, like it's it's, it's about, yeah, but it's about escapism. And that's all right, I think. But what I would tell those musicians is like, but you're missing the chance to take a stand. It's not about information. I mean, yes, everybody's overwhelmed with social media information. Everything is horrible. I get it. Still... How about taking a stand? And you can see with Greta and with uh, Alexandria um, that taking a stand is also very attractive. It's attracting mm -hmm. people because we want guidance. Because if you're working all day, you cannot think about maybe the deeper AI problems and what politics should do about it. Sure, we delegated this to politicians. We give them money and time so they can figure that out for us i don't have yeah. to do it better than them but i can have a stand how uh, how do i think this society should work morally where are we to work together and where do we have to divide groups or 
you know, closed borders or open borders or things like that. You have to have a stand. You have to have an opinion. And as a musician, be it in, in the interview or be it in the song, you can be vocal about it. You have a platform. You're working your ass off all day to build a platform, to build a brand, to be recognizable. And then what mm -hmm. are you doing with it? Yeah, you can earn money, but I'm sure you can still earn money and still, you know, help society bring society yeah. further but for that you have to have an opinion exactly exactly you might even change the world for the better <laughs> if yeah, we're being optimistic yeah and i also think there is um a danger even in in this separating um the artist from the art That was uh, a little bit of input that uh, Pia gave us for this uh, podcast episode because she couldn't be there, uh, be here right now. Um, she says uh, for some for some kinds of, of of music she likes, she actually has to or wants to separate the artist from the art because she likes the music but maybe not necessarily the uh, world views of the artist yeah that's hard sometimes yeah exactly i'm, I'm not a um, fan of five finger death punch <laughs> and other bands like that uh yes especially yeah. in germany here uh, we um have seen in the in the past years how a lot of A lot of bands we liked also in the metal scene um, have been, I don't know, discovered as uh, far right, uh, right wing, um, yeah, really? thinkers. I don't know, but um, which bands were that? Or maybe, or maybe it's just only uh, this discussion, or or uh, um, um, that is that it's supposed to be the whole uh, Frei Wild oh, yeah, and okay. uh, Böse Onkels debate. Mm -hmm. Okay, I thought like, you know, well-known metal bands who uh, now came out as right-wing because I would really be astonished by that. Yeah, the whole uh, Freiwild, uh, Böse Onkels thing, of course, that has never been different. It's attracting a certain type of people. It's always yeah. a bit edgy, at least, I guess. At least, yes. And and I also know uh, fans of those bands who just, uh, yeah, you know, like, oh, I can party to this music, so uh, fuck whatever they really think about the world or whatever. Mm. But I think it's, it's very, um, that is risky and kind of dangerous in the sense of uh, going a little bit uh, further from the music and in a, in a bigger and more recent um, event. So uh, Karl Lagerfeld uh, died this week mm -hmm. and a lot of people came out uh, on social media, uh, you know, mourning him. And then there was also a backlash, uh, luckily, fortunately, um, in my opinion, of people who, who said, okay, um, we know that he uh, made a huge uh, or had a huge life work, um, a very important and impactful life work in the fashion industry. But that doesn't, or, or, or whatever, however cool his designs and his uh, mind worked, doesn't uh, free him from how he was as a person and as a human being. He was a racist. He was uh, homophobe. He was uh, fatphobic. He was 
he made very, very mean and, and discrimi discriminatory, discriminatory statements uh, to the press. And everybody, nobody gave him uh, any shit for it because he was this fashion genius. You know, so I think it's very dangerous to separate the art from the artist if that means that we gave the artist a free pass to be an asshole. I would agree. And uh, I just had to think, I, I don't know much about Karl Lagerfeld. So, uh, but that has happened with a lot of other Yeah, uh, I, I had to geniuses. think about uh, As I Lay Dying, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, what's the singer called? As I lay dying, the guy who wanted uh, to let to his kill wife his killed, wife. yeah, 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 yeah uh, pay someone who then was a police officer, so ne it never happened. But he paid someone off, or he wanted to pay someone off to kill his wife, and uh, then he went to jail for it. And they came, he came out again, and everybody ousted him. Also, his own band, As I Lay Dying, they did something else in the meantime, and then he came back, and all of a sudden there was a new As I Lay Dying video, and now they have sold out shows going all over the world, mm -hmm. and there was, I think, one town, or maybe there were more, but I just read about one uh, who really said, okay, no, you're not going to play a show here, and so they had to cancel, but also, I have never been a fan, so I'm standing on the outside looking in, but I have read on social media when people were super excited about, wow, As I Lay Dying are coming back. I understand when they are, I don't know, you like the songs and they are the songs of your youth and uh, you have the chance to see them live. That's one thing. On the mm -hmm. other hand, you have a convicted, yeah, it's not a murderer, but he would have been. And uh, he's that guy and you're chanting towards him. That's a problem. And Or, applauding what, him and celebrating him in general. Exactly. Giving him your money and support. Yes. Of course, he's mm -hmm. apologetic. You know, he's, he says, okay, uh, it was a different person then. I'm always going to, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to spend my life making this right as good as I can. I don't know. You know, I can't judge if uh, he was, I don't know, on a drug trip at the time and now he's totally changed. I think uh, it must be hard for his wife. And his kids, I think there was at least one kid as, as far as I know. Or um, think about, um, what's the British band I also liked, but I just forgot the name, where the uh, singer also was found out as a child molester or child... Uh, uh, do you know who I mean? No. Five-piece British band. And uh, it was also all over the press. Um, he really met with women who had very, very young kids, like one-year-old, two-year-olds, and uh, they really wanted to, uh, he wanted to have sex with them. Or It, it was Aww. really ugly. And uh, it was found out, and uh, he also, he is still in jail. And I had to think, oh my God, can I ever listen to the one song that I, um, I I'm gonna uh, remember the name soon, but um, can I even listen to that song in the same way that I've always enjoyed it before? Yeah. And as a musician, again, this is the fan. And on the other side, there's a musician. I know this band. I mean, the other four guys, they have spent 20 years working for this band. And he, through this, has destroyed it all. They can't mm -hmm. go on with just a new singer or anything. In this case, they just stopped it and the band was done. Mm -hmm. And this is not only destroying his life or the kids' lives or, you know, whoever is involved in the sexual thing, but also... This band, this is a working company. You have to always think of a band as a company with all the implications, all the yeah. money, all the, you know, personal involvement. And all of that is also destroyed. If he's coming out again, would you go to a show? 
And it's like, this guy really wants to have sex with two-year-olds. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is not having sex. This is, you know, I mean, brutalizing. Yeah. So, yeah, can you... But is the song a bad song? If I've always liked the song, can I unlike the song? Yeah. Does it hurt yeah. anyone if I play it at home? Do I stand for child... What is it? Molestation? <laughs> Molesting? Mm -hmm. uh, if I do so, I don't know. This is hard. It is hard. That is the, the, the question at hand also. Um, should we inform people, so to speak? And everybody should be informed. But should we, as informed people who know all about these things, boycott these bands? Or... Uh, throw away their albums and never listen to that again. I think that's a very um, personal decision that everybody should uh, make for themselves. But but that's exactly what, what, what I think is the least we can do. We should stay informed because, as you both already mentioned, uh, through social media we get bombarded with all of this information whenever it comes to, to the light, at least. Um, we should stay informed, not close our eyes and say, uh, I like their music, so uh, I don't care what they do. Um, stay informed, look at it critically. And uh, then, well, then it's up to you. But uh, we should be able, I think we should be able to criticize our idols, because in the end, they are also only human beings. Absolutely. Really, their poo stinks the same way ours does. Yeah. Um, by the way, before everybody is opening their email clients, uh, I'm talking about Lost Prophets and the singer okay. is Ian Watkins. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Lost Prophets. Yeah, and, I'll see uh, if he's I can... got sentenced to 29 years imprisonment for sexual offenses, including assault of young children. Wow. That's really heavy. Yep. So, what's your stand on um, being political would you say artists have to or some artists should or we need more political bands but not everybody has to or i mean everybody even not being an artist can be political you don't need to make music to be a political person exactly yeah but how you already said you have a bigger influence as a musician you have a bigger platform yeah. and so i think um i completely share your opinion And it's, I prefer, I really prefer bands or musicians who have a clear statement. And um, yeah, I think that's also somehow a motivation. If you don't know, mm -hmm. want to go to a demonstration maybe, but you come home and you're tired of your work and you're not in the mood to go on the street to demonstrate for, I don't know, against climate change. And, but if you then start a song which motivates you, that's very, very cool. And that's maybe the best, the best way how it could be, how um, musicians could have an influence on um, yeah, normal people or just the fans. Just to say, hey, come on, go out. That's important. And you have an opinion and you should stay to that. And... If that comes through music, yeah, I would say that's, um, for me personally, the best way. Yeah. Yeah, I also see it as a, a, 
as an opportunity for musicians to use their power for good, so to speak. <laughs> and as a marketing person, from that point of view, I actually would advise bands to make clear statements. And yes, uh, no, the consequence is that maybe you will lose some fans, but maybe you get also could get a lot more. <laughs> yeah. Maybe get fans because you are political and friends of yours who are also very political and say, hey, listen to that band. They have a very good message. And so you can also get new ones and not exactly. just because of your sound or something, but because of your message. My experience is it's not only getting fans for that. It's also the ones who stay with you know why. See Feine Sahne Fischfilet. German mm -hmm. band, punk band, I wouldn't really appreciate, I mean, the music for me is simple punk rock, not even well done, but that's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anyone, but it's like, okay, he's not the best singer or anything, but they have a very, very clear personal and political background and statements, and they rolled with it, and they never backed down. So this band is not necessarily about, you know, the greatest, being the greatest vocalist, but sending a message. So people who like them, and I would, you know, I'm all for everybody liking them. For those reasons, they know why. I also was never a big fan of Rage Against the Machine, but I appreciate what they do or mm -hmm. what they did. Because this, you know, it's not about if I like it or not. That's just taste. But I appreciate somebody standing up for what they think is right. Yes. Yeah. So um, I have... I have an anecdote. I just want to tell something to the small bands, like my band. You know, small bands out there, maybe people listening, and mm -hmm. they think, yeah, okay, but we're not Metallica or whoever. Uh, we don't have that kind of influence. We don't have that kind of real fans. I was very, very, and I'm still very humbled and astonished by the kind of reaction we got on our last album. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe I have to say one or two words about the album. It's not called. Uh, it's called Survivors for a reason. Um, it has. It's uh, the album is very personal and it's very vocal about real issues that we had as people or that we see, like uh, as I described before, with the refugee crisis. Mm -hmm. And survival has many facets. It's um, it's like literal survival of a human being you know surviving some threat it's also when it deals with death if somebody dies in the english language of course people listening to this are familiar but maybe the germans are not um it's um, when you are writing an obituary then it's always written like he or she is survived by their family members oh yeah so they are survivors in that way so this is something that we also interpreted into that word. And also surviving a personal crisis. Like if you really dealt with depression once before and you came out of this, you know how it feels. So many of those topics are dealt with on the album. And But still, it's like you're a band, you're going to the rehearsal room, you're having fun with your friends, you're writing songs as good as you can, you put so much effort and money into recording them well finding the right mm -hmm. sound, finding the right graphic design for the whole thing, changing the logo, whatever, all of that stuff. This is going on for years. Then you put it out, and at least me, I didn't expect anyone to see behind all of that. They might like the song or they won't. Basically, that's my expectation. But the reaction we got, 
I mean, we get very, very good uh, reviews from the press, which in the first place also uh, was very astonishing for me because I'm talking like Metal Hammer, Rock Hard. They also wow. look more towards the bigger bands. And as I said, we are not. But there were very positive reactions. And then later we got extreme reactions from fans and especially the ones dealing with personal Uh, there's one fan who, is, uh, who has Morbus Crohn. He's in the hospital right now. He just yesterday survived um, an operation where they weren't sure that he would. Wow. And people like that, there's a, a fan, uh, I think, yeah, she, she's happy if I also say her name. So, hello, Britta. <laughs> she survived a very extreme personal attack um, that left her, nearly left her for dead. Um, it was all on the news, so I'm not um, um, telling any secrets here. Okay. Um, so she was found uh, in the back of a car, nearly beaten to death. And um, from from that, she's still suffering. She's recovering from this for years. Uh, she's in a wheelchair. Uh, she's starting to learn to walk again. So I'm talking really severe impact of your uh, on your life through mm -hmm. uh, some crises or... Um, Yeah, even wrongdoers. And people who have suffered and they know what it means and they know the relief also of art that can art can bring to you, you know, the relief. Um, mm. This is what, for me, heavy metal is about anyway. It's about expressing anger and sadness. You know, if you play the song slowly, it's sad. If you play them fast, it's angry. Mm -hmm. um, and people... Those people reacting to it showed me that us putting out our emotions really has an impact, especially yeah. in the very moment that we had put out not just nice songs, which I did with my bands before sometimes. It's just, oh, I like that song. We're just writing a song. The lyrics are not that important. But this album for us was really, we went through some shit times, I can tell you, and Funny enough, in that very moment where you put this into songs and you put it out there and you don't even tell anyone about it, all of a sudden the reactions are like that. People are connecting to this. They can mm -hmm. smell or hear or feel, I don't know, that this these emotions are in the songs. And um, we got so many reactions from people going through personal um, Shit. Uh, hard times. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I mean, normal fans who just like the songs, obviously. But mm -hmm. still, also the other end, that showed me whatever is in the song will connect to someone. So yeah. small bands, don't think you don't have an impact. Don't think you can't reach people when you really mean something. Because you will. Yeah. Very true. Very cool. And uh, the perfect statement to end this podcast episode on. Thank you so very much, both of you, for the very cool and inspiring input. <laughs> Thank you both. Malik, uh, where can people find you and your podcasts? And you are also a graphic designer in, in Aachen. So tell us all <laughs> yeah, of your links. Sure. Yeah, okay. Um, I think you... I've got um, this question so often that I built a website just for all my projects. <laughs> cool. We put it in the show notes. So it's my name, Malik dash aziz.de but i'm not going to spell it out you will find it in the show notes so yes. you will find star revolution there and schlicht und ergreifend which is my graphic design studio and uh, my various podcasts there's uh, 
tech podcasts or just uh, yeah, socio-political uh, or just uh, podcasts where we just blabber along. So um, yeah, something for everyone. It is. Uh, the one you were mentioning before, the German one about autism, um, autistische yeah. Wahrnehmungen. Autistische Wahrnehmungen, yeah. Yeah, I also listened to that and uh, it's amazing. Um, I tried to listen to podcasts because um, for the people who don't speak German out there, um, I try to listen to podcasts from very various and different perspectives um, to broaden my horizons. Uh, so you know, just to, to see um, how other people different than me, than me see the world. I listened to a very funny uh, comedy podcast that's made by, I think, four gay men. That's hilarious. And it's really great. <laughs> and you learn a lot too. And mm -hmm. then I listened to a podcast by uh, a person with autism that is also very, very enlightening. And it also helps me learn to interact with, uh, with people in general. Um, yeah, it, I think it makes me grow. So uh, that's a recommendation for everybody. <laughs> Broaden your horizons through podcasts or yeah. uh, YouTube or whatever. I double that. Podcasts all day, every day. <laughs> yes. All right, Steffi, where can people find us? You can find us on iTunes or yeah, Spotify. And our social media accounts are on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us there and... Yeah, like our page. And yeah, subscribe to the Metal Heights podcast wherever you like to listen to your podcast. And the show notes you will find for this episode on metal-and-highheels.com slash podcast 42. Yeah, and as always, thanks to Cassandra Novell for our very cool uh, jingle. And that was it. We'll listen to each other very soon. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.